Hello and welcome to the podcast for the July 2010 issue of The Lancet Infectious Diseases. Richard Lane here and this month I'm delighted to be joined by TLID's Deputy Editor Peter Hayward to discuss some of the issue highlights. Welcome Peter and it's very much an HIV themed issue isn't it? Hi there, Richard. Yes, uh, this month we've got a lot of HIV AIDS content. We've got content throughout the journal from the editorial, the news desk and the reviews and personal views. And I'd just like to start by mentioning a couple of items in the news desk section, starting with an interview with Gottfried Hernschel, the new HIV director at WHO. He's been in the post since the start of May and I catch up with him about his history, what he's been doing up till now in his career and what his hopes are for the WHO HIV department. And secondly, in the news desk, we have a fascinating piece on HIV human rights and men who have sex with men. This piece is pegged to recent high-profile news stories of arrests of an openly gay couple in Malawi and a proposed anti-homosexuality bill being debated in Uganda. And now naturally, where men who have sex with men are stigmatised, then targeting HIV prevention and treatment at this risk group can be particularly problematic. And this barrier affects other prevention measures, since this population is in no way isolated from other groups within communities and countries. But then there is hope, as a handful of recent legal victories for human rights in the Asia-Pacific region have enabled significant advances in making access possible to the appropriate care essential to this group. In addition to this news content, we've got six review-type articles related to HIV, covering topics as diverse as HIV-related psoriasis, the risk or apparent lack thereof of resistance to antiretrovirals in injecting drug users, and dysfunctional B-cell responses in people with HIV. Great. And Peter, let's discuss a couple of um, the items in this month's issue in some detail. Let's start first of all with a very interesting review, and this is looking at HIV in the Central Asian region. What are the specific issues relevant here, Peter? This is an absolutely fascinating review about an often overlooked area, including five countries, uh, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan. And while these countries do not themselves seem to have particularly high prevalence of HIV. In fact, on the surface, they seem quite low. The epidemics in these countries are thought to be quite new, and they have high prevalence in some particular groups, such as injecting drug users and sex workers. The epidemics in these groups are particularly concerning. Given that these countries lie on drug trafficking routes, outbreaks in these high-risk groups could fuel wider spread outbreaks within the countries and act as sources for outbreaks in other countries. And... I think one issue picked up in a review, isn't it, that because these are countries as they are, are formerly part of the old Soviet Union, they have rather outmoded, outdated, vertical Soviet health systems, which aren't particularly helpful when dealing with something like HIV. Well, yes, absolutely. As highlighted throughout the issue and in various articles, the response to HIV really does need to be integrated and, and look at the broader situation within a country, and that relies on having strong, strongly well-integrated health systems. Another of the problems highlighted by the reviewers doing this is that sometimes the statistics are lacking for these countries, so it's very possible that while we've got these estimates for HIV prevalence and incidence in these countries, there's a high possibility that these estimates are wrong and most likely underestimates. Interesting. Also, Peter, a personal view this time, isn't it? And that's looking at this really, really important issue, which is to do with tuberculosis that's associated with HIV infection. Just set out what this personal view is about. Well, yeah, so this is a personal review by Stephen Lorne and colleagues, and it's discussing the dual roles or the, the synergistic roles of antiretroviral therapy and isoniazid therapy for preventing tuberculosis infection in people with with HIV. Obviously, tuberculosis and HIV co-infection poses a huge burden of disease around the world with 1.37 million new cases of tuberculosis among people with HIV each year. 
and 456,000 deaths. And now, as always with this, the, uh, the greatest burden of disease is carried in sub-Saharan Africa, but the co-epidemic rages in other situations, including Eastern Europe. So in this personal view, Lorne and colleagues outline a potential strategy for using antiretrovirals and isoniazid to help prevent tuberculosis. They basically look at the fact that while the CD4 count of people living with HIV is low, isoniazid preventive therapy might not actually be appropriate since the, an active infection with tuberculosis cannot be ruled out in such patients and thus treating with isoniazid might lead to resistance or other problem or failure of that treatment. So what Lorne and colleagues propose doing is using antiretroviral therapy and isoniazid preventive therapy in patients living with HIV with high CD4 counts. But where people have low CD4 counts, first establishing antiretroviral therapy until the CD4 cell counts rise to a point where isoniazid preventive therapy might be appropriate. And the authors also, of course, they stress the need for randomised trials to underpin further developments of health policy along these lines. Thanks, Peter. So just, just so I'm clear on that, Ben, where CD4 cell counts are high, you effectively have a double whammy. You have the influence of the antiretrovirals and the isoniazid preventive therapy. But if, if the CD4 counts are low, you still have an influence with the antiretrovirals in terms of TB prevention? Yes, the anti 